You ever have one of those days where you'd rather be in bed? <laughs> well, we're glad to be here. We're just a little stuffed up, but um, we love the Lord. We love you, and we love uh, standing on the threshold of a new year. It's hard to imagine that last month we were saying Happy Thanksgiving. Last week we were saying Merry Christmas, and today we're saying Happy New Year. Goes fast, doesn't it? Wow. Well, 58 hours from now in Times Square, New York, there's going to be a thousand pound ball drop called the Star of Hope. Over two and a half billion people will be watching that star drop with a thud. And the reason they call it the Star of Hope is because the men and women that created it said it brings. Uh, something that man is always longing for, and that is a new hope for a new year. And not only that, but it brings to man uh, maybe greater opportunities than he's had in the past. And for some, it's people always seeking renewal and new resolutions. And, and they look at that star and, and all the m millions of glittering crystals that it shows forth, and then it just bangs with a thud and the lights go out. <laughs> but you know, we as believers, we don't trust in that falling star. We trust in one who is called the bright and morning star in Revelation 22 and 16. And as we stand here, every one of us have 8,765 hours. God in the horizon if he doesn't come back for 2020. 58 hours to go for this one. And I hope he comes back before 2020, but if he doesn't, we've got about 8,765 hours to live for him. So it's called time. And because of that, I'd like to read out of Ecclesiastes chapter three, we'll beginning at verse one. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which was planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to break up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate, a time of war, and a time for peace. That's probably what 2020 is going to look like for all of us. Somewhere we're going to be enjoying or we're going to be involved in all of those kind of activities. And because of the decisions that we make in 2020, we're going to find ourselves in what Solomon wrote here. 
What kind of decisions are you going to be making as you start out the new year? We all make about four to 5,000 decisions every day. And a lot of those don't have eternal consequences. For me, it's which kind of donut? <laughs> or maybe what kind of toothpaste? And yet there's going to be some people make decisions this year that does make eternal difference for their lives. But what kind of decisions are you going to make? I love the story of the little boy that Went up to his dad, he says, Dad, three frogs were on a log. One decided to jump off. How many were left? The dad says, well, that's easy. There's two left. No, there wasn't, Dad. He says, there's three left. Three frogs on a log. One decided to jump off. How many's left? Daddy, there's three left because just because you decide something doesn't mean that you did it. And you know, I think that's the same thing way it is with maybe a lot of us. We've had a lot of great inspirations about something and, and resolutions and, and we get about one or two months into January and we're like those frogs still sitting on a log. So I've got a question. How can we best invest our lives with the right balance to bring the greatest glory to God in 2020. And my friend this morning, it's going to take every single one of us to not only make the decision, but you got to get off the log. And I'm going to suggest three very basic things. You see them in your notes. And one is be positive about your purpose. We're all standing on the same threshold. We're all going to walk in, Lord willing, into 2020. But what is the purpose in your life and my life for 2020? The purpose is to bring glory to God the Father. Romans 14, 8. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or whether we die, we belong to the Lord. Paul puts it like this in Corinthians 6. You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Wow. We're not our own. And then he puts it a little bit different one place. He says, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of his son, Christ Jesus. That means we glorify God. The purpose for 2020 is to glorify God in these bodies that we're walking around in. And we make those decisions for that. So he says in 1 Corinthians 10, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Some people say, well, the purpose of my life is to make more money. No, it isn't. Some people say, oh, so I, I need to be a greater success. That's not your purpose. Some people say, well, I got to stay ahead of the Jones and the neighbors. No, that's not your purpose. Some would say, well, I just got to uh, find love and, and, and get married and have children. That's not your purpose. 
We've seen what the purpose is. Our purpose, the reason you were created, the reason I was created, is to bring glory to God the Father. And the decisions we make is going to make all the difference of how that happens in our life. One poet said this, we squander our wealth in search of health and all we get is the grave. And we live and we moan and we boast what we own and then we die and get a stone. (laughs) Well, that's kind of morbid, isn't it? We live and we moan and we boast what we own and then we die and we get a stone, period. No, the Bible says in Matthew 6 and 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then some of these things will be added according to his purpose or whatever he wants to hand off. So if we think about that, we just said that we're to glorify God in these bodies. I'm going to ask you another question. Did you ever wonder why Satan attacks your body? Why does Satan attack your body? Well, one of the reasons he attacks your body, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what this earth suit is for. This body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, do you not know that you're God's temple and the Spirit of God dwells in you? God's temple is holy and you are that temple. My body's not a smokestack. My body's not a drug den. My body is not a wine keg. My body is not a donut warehouse. (laughs) And you know, we can laugh at that, but think about it. Anytime we abuse the temple, the body, bad things happen. So Satan would love to destroy your body. We're a trichotomy. A body, a soul, and a spirit. And he's going to attack every, every one of those aspects of our bodies. He would love to see me at 700 pounds where I can't even move. Because another reason is, is this body is a tool of God. It is an instrument of his. Remember what we said? We've been bought with a price. We're not our own. So it's a temple for the Holy Spirit and it's also a a tool for his righteousness. Says that in Romans 6. All these members of the body and we're walking around and we're using these instruments as glory for him to righteousness. Not as members to unrighteous things. So our body is a temple, our body is a tool and our body is a treasure house think about it wherever you're walking right now your body is a treasure house listen to what the word says in 2 Corinthians but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power that belongs to God and not to us 
Peter puts it like this, inside of this body, this body of clay, I have an incorruptible seed that will never fade away. I have the value of this treasure within this body that I can walk in any place around Modesto or anywhere on the planet and I can share the greatest gift to man, the gospel. That's why he wants to destroy it. If he can destroy your body as a believer, then your treasure house is finished. And the last one is, is the training ground. Our bodies are a temple, our bodies are a tool, our bodies are a treasure house, and our bodies are a training ground. And you know what it feels like sometimes. Bible says that all those that live godly, you're gonna suffer persecution. And sometimes that involves your body. Bible says in Romans 12 and one, I appeal to you brothers by the mercies of God, that you present these bodies as a living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable unto him. Not being conformed to this planet or this world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your body is a tool, a training ground to bring glory to God. Number two. Be certain of your priorities. I love the way Paul and Luke and David puts it. We'll look at them. Philippians 3.13. But one thing I do, forgetting that what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. And Luke puts it like this. But this one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which shall not be taken away from her. And David in Psalms puts it like this. One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. You see, there's a lot of people that, that have a firm grasp on their purpose. I, I know I'm here to glorify God, but then they never set priorities up to see that ever fulfilled at all. Look how all, all these gentlemen put this. One thing I do, one thing is necessary, one thing have I desired of the Lord. Not 27, not 45, not 130. One thing. You see this little lethal weapon I carry around with me? It's a Swiss knife. It's got one blade. One. I got another one laying at home in the bottom of my drawer that'll do 50 things. But guess what? I don't carry it around with me. I carry this one. One thing. And I can carry that other Swiss Army knife around and it's got forks and spoons and drills and augers and all kinds of things. But it gets in the way. And there's times in our life, if you don't set your priorities, you're gonna start drifting in all the different directions. You gotta set your priorities. And I'm gonna give you four suggestions that we can look at that. Number one is your mind. Number two is your mate. Number three is your mouth. And number four is your money. Folks, in 2020, 
This is where your priorities should probably be focused. We're here to glorify God. And if you set your priorities right in these areas, you're gonna be a happy camper at the end of 2020. Your mind, your mind. The Bible says set your mind or your affections on things above. Not on things horizontal. When we get up too often in the mornings, if we don't set our minds and our affections on him first, then it goes quickly horizontally to the things we're gonna be doing today and tomorrow. No, set your minds on things above. And why is that so important? Because all satanic operation happens in the theater of your mind. Everything. Every choice you make is here. Don't blame the devil for anything. You and I make the choice. And if I don't have a purpose and a priority in my life and my mind to first seek him and set my affections on him, then I go all over the place. What about your mate? I'm married. I love being married. I've been married 45 years. I think, I think it's 45 or 46. <laughs> I'm sorry, Heidi, I forgot. <laughs> I took too much cold medicine. I think it's 45. Anyway, where was I at? <laughs> Marriage, mate. I'm married, and by being married, I have children, I'm blessed with grandchildren, but family choices also involve family voices. And you can even switch that around. I have found out that family voices affect your family choices. And if I am a pathetic husband and a pathetic father and a pathetic grandfather, it's gonna affect the choices of the next generation behind me. But if I set my affections on things above and then I love my wife as the Bible tells me to love her, then she's gonna be able to respond and <clears throat> respect me. Men, it doesn't say anywhere in the Bible for women to love their husbands. Tells us four or five times, husband, love your wives. Doesn't say anywhere in the Bible for a woman to love their husband. It hints in Titus 2 that the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, that they also teach the aged one or the younger ones how to love their husbands. But if we love them in the right way, they will respect and they will honor us. So what are you doing with your mate? The Bible says to love your wife. Wiser to honor, respect your husbands. And the Bible says we're to submit one to another. 
It's got to be a priority in your life this year. What about your mouth? Oh, wow. My mom used to, uh, I see my sister back here. She never got any lava soap, but my brother and I used to have our mouths worst out with soap. Paula is so pure. <laughs> because we would say things to her, I guess, and then she would turn us in. No. Um, but what about your mouth? Your mouth reveals your heart, doesn't it? That's what the Bible says. Bible says one place that life and death is in the power of the little pink muscle, the tongue. I think that says that in Peter. Maybe in Matthew, another place. And so the tongue, if it's not used in a right way, if it's not a priority to be checked and watch what you're saying in 2020, you're either going to get into a lot of trouble or a lot of messes, or there's going to be a lot of encouragement come out from this pink muscle that you're going to affect a lot of people. Look at Colossians chapter 4. That'll be your homework. I'm going to give you three of them. But in chapter four of Colossians, it tells you four reasons for this pink muscle. You pray, you proclaim. No, you find the other two. <laughs> but there's two of them. You pray, you proclaim. I'll give you one more, praise. The fourth is very close to that. But if I spend 2020 using my mouth in praising, proclaiming truth, praying for others in supplication, that's why I built us, and that's why I gave us one mouth and two ears, by the way. Slow to speak and swift to hear. And money. We know we can't live without money, we know that. And yet, um, the Bible says that in 2 Corinthians 8 2, it speaks to those who gave beyond their means. Why? Because their love for the Lord propelled that kind of giving. I'm going to tell you what happens when your devotions and your priority of seeking the Lord dries up. When your devotions dry up, your generosity dries up. You ever seen that happen? Well, when you're loving the Lord so much, it's just something in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. You want to just help others, give to others. And I know you know what I'm talking about. Mind, your mate, your mouth, and your money. Number three. Be confident about your plan. Again, you can understand your purpose for 2020, glorify God. And you can set your priorities. But if you don't have a plan to make it happen, it probably never will. And we're going to be, again, just like those frogs on a log. And probably just... Maybe you're probably going to just start to drift. You know what your purpose is. You say, well, and I know what the priorities have got to be. But if you had never put a plan to it, 
You're going to drift. I love this church. Love it. I love coming here. I love being here. And yet I'm a fruit inspector. You are too. We have a right as a private judgment to judge others. The Bible says we do. We don't judge up or down. That's in God's hand. But I can look at your life. You look at mine. We're fruit inspectors. And I have watched in the 10 years that we've been coming here, I have watched a lot of godly people grow in the Lord. And yet I've seen some people that just been wearing a bib for 10 years, still saved, still good people, but they're wearing bibs. And the only way you go from a bib to an apron, you got to do something with a plan in your life to bring action that things change. You've all seen people that wear bibs. They whine, 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 wow, wow, wow. That's what we do with a bib. Still his child, I'm not doubting that. But sometimes, folks, it's time to put an apron on. And you do that when you set a plan. Look at Ephesians 5 and 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time or the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do you know what the will of the Lord is for your life? You're to glorify him. Five or six places in the Bible it tells you what the will of the Lord is. I'll give you one of them. It's in uh, Thessalonians 5, 17 or 18. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. There's one right there. God's will is that you give thanks. You gotta decide to give thanks and then you do it. That's where you put the plan into motion. Sometimes we know all the scriptures and everything. We don't do a thing about it. I'm going to give you a scripture that can bring your life's plan into focus. Luke 9 and 23. And he said to all of them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. This is one verse that hurts me. And if you put your name in there and you live this, it's going to hurt you too. But it's going to be the best thing for you. I'll put my name in there. If Gordon Rumble wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. In other words, relinquish my little pet dreams and desires and plans and I must take up my cross not my padded mattress and die daily to this and that and I must follow him that means I must obey Christ every day wow that's the pre they call that in the Greek the present imperative. That means you keep doing it daily.
You willing to put your name in there? If any man, if any man, wow, wants to really come after me in 2020, you got to deny yourself. You got to take up your cross and you've got to follow him. That means you're obedient to what the word says. You may be reading some morning and you don't like what it says, but you do it. He says we're a living sacrifice and sometimes it's so easy to crawl off the altar. You got the choice because it got so hot maybe. Stay on the altar. Stay on the cross. Until you die, there's no resurrection. And sometimes we go through life and we don't deny ourselves. And we want to go the easy way. He'll let you do that. He'll never cross the picket line of your unwillingness. But there's no joy there. There's no peace. And then you start wondering, why doesn't the Christian life work? It works with this one. That's why Paul says, I die daily. The minute you wake up, you die daily to whatever you had planned or you thought was better, you let God take care of your life and you die daily to some things. Some things will hurt, but it's for our best. It is good water. <laughs> I didn't know if I was going to do this, but since I have enough um, Tylenol in me, I think I will. <laughs> I want to talk to the, um, the older people for a moment. And I know there's younger ones here and you can listen in. So in other words, what I'm saying is everybody with white hair or no hair or you're wearing somebody else's hair, <laughs> I want you to listen to me for a moment. We are standing on the threshold of a new year. I'm sick and tired of hearing the division between the older and the younger. There's no division in the body of Christ. But you older ones know what I'm talking about. We were raised in a different generation. My grandkids could not comprehend this is the other day we was talking about it at Christmas. You mean, Grapple, you had no computer? You had no cell phone? No iPad? No Xbox? No internet? No video game? No PlayStation? And they were stunned. One car was in every garage. Every meal was ate at the same table. No car seats. We roamed all over the car. <laughs> no helmets when I rode a bike. No childproof lids on anything in the medicine cabinet. I slept in a lead-based crib and I'm still here. <laughs> I drank from a garden hose every day. 
I ate ants, I ate mud pies, and I'm still living. I climbed trees. What we're saying is we're living in a different generation. And it doesn't make it right or it doesn't make it better or wrong. But the younger generation is living in a different culture. And somewhere we older ones need to humble ourselves and we need to listen and to hear from them. I can't imagine living in a generation where we have all, I mean, I have one of these things. Where's it at? Oh, no. It's, I must have left it at home. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. It doesn't matter where you go, where you sit, everybody's doing this. And we need to humble ourselves and, and realize that's what they're living in. And it's not going to get any better, but that's what they were brought up in. And somehow respect them and listen, have a listening ear. And to the younger ones, to us, somehow we're not just a bunch of old fuddy-duddies. We do have a little bit of experience. And we do have wisdom that needs to be tapped in on. But I want to say this, and I say it for this reason. There should never be a gap in your family. I don't care if you're 81 or 21. No gap, no generation gap in the body of Christ. Why? We have the same Savior. We have the same standard. It is the Word of God and it hasn't changed. We have the same goal. Glorify Him. And we're all going to go to the same place, the same home. It's heaven. And somehow, let's give enough respect and honor to each other that we encourage each other in a godless, narcissist society. And I'm talking about America. That we can encourage each other in this coming year. Listen to the words of David. One generation shall share your works with another generation. Psalm 145. That's our responsibility. And you that are white-haired, no-haired, or wear somebody else's hair, that's you, that's our responsibility. Don't waver in that commitment. Share the Word of God to the next generation. Live it, the Word of God. Last night in my office, I, before church, I sat down and I, I closed out my past, I have a pastor logbook, I I write everything in there, and I closed it out for 20, uh, 2019, and and I've been doing this for 40 years. And I put at the top of the page in 2020, may your name be praised throughout this year. And then I took my day timer, I mean that thing you lay, what do you call it, a calendar on your desk for one month. I do the same thing to that every month. Put on the top, may your name be praised. And then uh, tomorrow, what is tomorrow, Monday? Yeah. I'm going to come and I have a big chart I'll put on the wall, take the old one down, it has all 12 months, 
It'll take me a couple hours to log everything in there that we got planned for this year. And I had to think as I was looking at my calendar and stuff that a year in review ahead of time. And that's all what this message was about. A year in review. You know what your purpose is. You know how to set priorities. You're the one that instigates the plan. Let's do it to glorify him. Let's pray. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for another, <clears throat> another day. Thank you for just being a faithful father. And thank you, Father, for the, the power of the spirit he's lived in our lives this year. We just ask that you do it again, do it again. Things are getting pretty tough, it seems like, on the world scene, Father, but you've got it all in control. It's all in your timing. We're looking forward, probably as never before, for the sound of the trumpet and that we can be caught away. Looking forward to be in your presence. Bless each one here today. Father, encourage them mightily as they live with their families and their friends and their companions. May it be a great year for you. And may we glorify you. May we keep our priorities straight. And the plan that you give us, each one individually, may we with solid purpose live it out that you're glorified in a mighty way. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lord bless you folks.